up, lady? And welcome to episode two of Jocks and Locks podcast with Dewey and Rhino, proficient sports enthusiasts who have average takes on everything else. And I'm here with my best bud, Rhino. Rhino, how are you tonight? Dewey, I'm doing doing swell today. Um, man, that intro was was golden. Really love that that intro. I hope our fans do as well. You put a lot of time well, and effort into that, didn't you? I did. I did. I, you know, I, I just want to thank all the uh, listeners, and uh, you know, we don't have subscribers yet, but I want to thank the listeners for a big week one for us. I think we uh, hit 13, 13 views or thirteen uh, people listening. So. You know, for us to start off, I feel like it was on the right foot uh, and uh, really, really pleased with all my buddies out there that that listen. I appreciate it and uh, gave us some feedback on the first podcast. And I think uh, we're going to try and keep adjusting, making making it better as we go. And hopefully uh, this thing will catch on. So uh, we're really excited about what the future holds. Jocks and locks to the top. Love it. I love it. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, our first segment of uh, first pitch, kind of recap the week in sports. Uh, you know, we had a big game down here in Atlanta uh, last Sunday. Uh, Rhino and I were fortunate enough to go down before the game and kind of take in the festivities. And uh, there was a lot of stuff going on down there, that's for sure. There was a lot of traffic, a lot of people. And, you know, I don't know how much the game lived up to the billing, you know, a couple high-powered offenses, uh, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time. And it kind of turned into a, a chess match of, of, uh, of, of defense. And at the end of the day, as we all know, Tom and the Patriots walked away victorious, winning him his sixth ring in nine chances in the Super Bowl. And only Eli Manning and Nick Foles we're the only two quarterbacks to dethrone Mr. Brady. What were your thoughts on the game, Ryan? Uh, well, I'll tell you, if there's anybody out there that thought that game was interesting at all, I'd love to meet him. I really would. Uh, that was a definite uh, snoozer, for sure. A uh, little disappointed, but um, like, I, like, I, like you uh, were mentioning, I will say, if you have, ever have the opportunity to go down and, and, and you're close to a Super Bowl, um, take the take the trip down to wherever you need to go and, and take it all in. It was a it was a complete blast when we were down there. Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, you see all these athletes that you know you always see on television that you almost think you know I guess are sometimes maybe not human. And uh, you know, their guys are just running around down there and walking the streets just like every other other day civilians. And you know, we were able to get close and uh you know talk to baker mayfield who you and i both know is one of our uh one of our guys true and true to our hearts uh, being browns fans but uh, just in general uh every you know the fans uh very respectful and and uh supportive of their teams and you know i thought thought the patriots fans obviously traveled pretty well but the rams fans yeah, yeah we're few, I guess we're few and far between, uh, but, uh, you know, I thought as a whole for the city, I thought it was a very positive thing. Right. You, you got to love everybody coming down there and seeing, 
I mean, I, I guarantee we saw a fan from every team down there, uh, which is which is phenomenal. Uh, the NFL does it right, especially for the fan experience and all that. And I'm telling you what, if you have kids too, uh, that, that NFL fan experience with all the throwing and the kicking the balls and the running and all that stuff, and they have the little mini combine down there. I mean, that that's so would be worth your time if you had a kid that, you know, is into football and, and you could spend hours down there with them. Yeah, and so, you know, with that being said, you know, guys – uh, hopefully sometime in the near future we can get to where people can call into the podcast and and can kind of uh, share your thoughts on, on, you know, if you went down to the game. I know I have a lot of friends down here in Atlanta and uh, just, you know, went down by the festivities and, and what, what you witnessed and what you saw and, and what you had fun with. So um, we love to hear, hear, hear your feedback as well. Uh, so uh, I know there was a golf tournament this past week and ended on the same day as the Super Bowl and you know, Ryan is a uh, is a stick on the golf course and loves to follow it as well. So, Ryan, uh, you got any updates on uh, on that golf tournament on Sunday? I'll tell you what, the uh, uh, Ricky Fowler finally won in the desert over there at uh, TPC Scottsdale. Uh, I'll tell you what, that 16th hole there, they built that stadium. That is a bucket list item for me, and I'm sure quite a few others. Uh, nothing... Nothing, you know, way out of the limb. I mean, you got guys booing golfers, you know, yelling in their backswing. Just a bunch of people just out there drinking, having a good time. Uh, That's definitely on my bucket list. But uh, Ricky Fowler finally got it done out there after a couple of blown opportunities the past couple years. Um, But, yeah, I definitely uh, would love to uh, go out there to the 16th at TPC Scottsdale and watch that tournament. You know, I'd I'd really like to get a a poll on how many of those golfers, you know, really actually like that setup or and, and, and relish it since it is so unique. You know, it's only, you know, one hole in America really during a professional tournament where people are allowed to act like absolute imbeciles. And, you know, it's not frowned upon. You know, so much of, of golf is, is based on being quiet and and being a gentleman's game and you know they get you get to the 16th hole at tp sawgrass and it's like you're at uh, a frat party in athens georgia so (laughs) great 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 analogy that was that's literally it it it, you know it's it's just a wild scene and there's no doubt it's one thing that i'd love to do before before i kick the bucket is uh is go out to tpc scottsdale and see the 16th and just kind of take it all in so well ricky got over the hump and uh, good for him i like ricky you know we're you know we're not gonna touch on much golf today uh obviously we've got a couple other things to get to but uh good for ricky and um you know we'll we'll touch on uh a little more golf when the masters uh, masters comes around so we're gonna hop right into our next segment poop and scoop uh i think (laughs) you guys might be able to uh, figure out what that is. A little basketball talk here. We're going to start with a little NBA, uh, you know, some trade uh, trade news, uh, the AD saga, and, you know, just kind of talk about what the Lakers are doing right now. Uh, but first, I think I like to talk about that Sixers-Clippers trade that went down last night. Went down real late. It was, uh, I, think it, I think that trade got finalized around 2.30 in the morning and uh, woke up to seeing that, Tobias Harris and uh, Boban Marjanovic and others, uh, and actually Mike Scott, 
were dealt to Philadelphia, uh, and they traded away a couple of their bench pieces with Shamit and uh, Wilson Chandler as well, among others. But you did know, they, I didn't think they uh, did, did they trade Muscala too? They did. Mike Muscala wasn't that deal, and I believe there was two two first rounders. One was protected as well, uh, future first rounders. So. Gave up a handful to get, uh, obviously, the, the prize possession the deal was Tobias Harris. Uh, he's really kind of had his coming out party uh, as of late. You know, I thought in Detroit he was kind of masked and uh, wasn't used all that well in Stan Van Gundy's system. And uh, went to L.A. and really, you know, really had a, a great second half of last year when he got dealt over there and then in the Blake Griffin deal. And then uh, early this year has really made a mark in the West and was their go-to guy with Gallinari being in and out of the lineup. And, uh, you know, I think it's a big pickup for the Sixers. You know, I think you can't, you can't say they're not trying to, to get better. Uh, you know, they went out and got Jimmy Butler earlier in the year. And to add with those two youngsters they've got and Bede and Simmons. But now you go out and get a guy like Tobias Harris who can stretch the floor, bigger guy, can defend a little bit, and can shoot the mid-range and the long-range uh, jump shot. You know, I like Tobias Harris, but I, I you know, I kind of have a, a feeling that, you know, there's not enough ball to go around with all four of those guys. Mm, mm. Yeah, there's, there's, that's a lot of guys, and it can get hairy rather quickly if there's not good chemistry going on. Yeah, and, you know, these, these mid-season deals, you know, I, I like it for the fact that you're trying to really make a dent and and and, and make a run at the uh, at the NBA title. But it's so hard to incorporate new players in a system uh, mid-year, and especially when a guy as ball dominant as Tobias Harris is, or has become, it's just going to be difficult with guys like Jimmy Butler, who, quite frankly, is complaining about you know not getting the ball enough and not hoisting up enough shots as it is without Tobias Harris, let alone with him. So it's a it's something where I think it could be in the cards where Philadelphia could try and flip Jimmy Butler and possibly go uh, get some more bench pieces in return. And I don't think there's much better of a team that than, uh, you know, the L.A. Lakers. I mean, look at a team that has been trying to sell basically – uh, their entire team, along with um, you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's goggles and uh, everything else that the Lakers possibly own, I think they've also offered Kobe Bryant's jersey in the rafters to the Pelicans to try and get Anthony Davis. And uh, so I don't think it's you know such a happy family out there in LA. So for me, you know. L.A. could get better by getting Jimmy Butler and giving up some of those, I guess, quote-unquote, useless pieces because apparently LeBron nor uh, uh, Magic really thinks much of those guys. So uh, I'm interested to see what transpires here, but I think I just think there's too many too many mouths to feed in Philadelphia. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um... And that the, the LA stuff is just that's just getting out of control. I mean, it's it's I don't I don't know honestly if I've ever seen something in my lifetime where a team's trying to give up that much for one guy. I mean, it, it's 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 an it's insane how much they were trying to give up. Uh, 
without a doubt. And my my biggest issue is, you know, guys that are perennial superstars can be as talented as can be, but if you can't stay healthy and stay on the floor, your talent is worthless. Anthony Davis, I believe, is made out of either styrofoam or balsa wood and literally goes to the locker room uh, about 35 times a year out of an 82-game season. So what do you, who's to say that a guy can even stay healthy for a duration of a year for you to make any type of run in, 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 to, to an NBA title? Now, his talent speaks for itself, but you got to stay healthy. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things that 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 uh, LeBron and, you know, the argument of him being the, the greatest of all time is how long he stayed on the floor and how many minutes he's logged. It's not a uh, it's not a guy that's uh, hurt, you know, for a two week span uh, three times a year. You know, Anthony Davis is a guy that's habitually on the on the bench because he's he can't play he's hurt right right you so, go you, you can you uh, have to be able to your... stay healthy absolutely you have to be able to stay healthy and uh, it's it, it's the same thing that happened with Kyrie at times you know when LeBron was in Cleveland and, and he had Kyrie Kyrie would go spurts without playing and it was guess who was lugging the load again it was big old 23 so you know and and, and staying with the Lakers you know I don't think Bill, I don't think Luke Walton is uh, the man to control and hold that job for much longer. You know, he was kind of stuck in a precarious spot. You know, probably never thought he was going to get LeBron. Then all of a sudden he does, and he's stuck with, hey, I was rebuilding. Now it's win as soon as we can, and you get the biggest ego uh, in the NBA. I mean, what are your thoughts? On, what are your thoughts on Luke Walton? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get a, it, the right guy in there, um, especially when you're handed something. Um, but he just doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't really strike me as a, a, a NBA coach. I mean, he just, he just doesn't. I don't know if it's his look, how he talks in his interviews. I don't know what it is. But he just doesn't strike me. And he also doesn't strike me as a guy that LeBron necessarily would be fond of. Um, and we know who really wears the pants in the relationships um, when with with LeBron. So um, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I just I can't think of a name off the top of my head that would really be somebody who could really relish in that in that in that position. I think everybody's going to get criticized. I think it's similar to being. You know, the president of the United States, not to the same degree, obviously, but everybody's going to you're going to get criticized either way, because in reality, LeBron's running the team. And if if, if a coach can't, you know, basically kind of let that go and let that be, then there's going to be friction. And I don't know what Luke Walton lets LeBron or doesn't let LeBron do. But as we all know, you know, it. it the proof's kind of in the pudding with him and his issues with coaches. And he's continuously given coaches, uh, I mean, hell, he put Ty Lue on a leave of absence, for God's sakes. I mean, poor guy couldn't even, uh, he, had, he had health issues. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a tough thing. It's, it's a tough situation. And if it's not exactly what old, uh, old 23 wants, you know, it's it, there's always going to be a circus act around it. So, 
We're going to move on to some college basketball now. It's getting to that point of the year now where, you know, you, you kind of see the cream rising to the top and, and, and other teams are just kind of fading away uh, as we mm. speak. And, you know, I think, to be honest with you, you can start to really see there's, I believe, about eight or nine teams that really have a chance to make a deep run uh, in, Mar- in March and, and potentially bring home that trophy. And um, I kind of want to talk about, you know, a couple teams in particular and just kind of gauge and see what we think if they're contenders or pretenders. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think I think there's a lot of talent. I think there's outside of Duke, who I think, as we talked about last week, has potentially the top three out of five players in college basketball and going to go in the draft in the top five. I think there's a lot of parity with a lot of these teams. I think there's a lot of teams that can – that can really, uh, that are really strong in certain points, spots of their uh, of their game. So obviously, uh, first team we'll start off with is Duke. Uh, Ryan, you have him as a contender or a pretender? Uh, I've got a contender. Ever since Trey Jones has come back, they have just been slaughtering teams. I mean, covering twenty point spreads, no problem. Um, I think they're they're really coming around. They struggled for a little bit. Um, but it's expected. You're dealing with a bunch of 18-year-old kids. Um, I, I look for them to definitely be contenders. Uh, I have to agree there. Uh, I think I think 100% of America would have to agree with that. That's probably a pretty obvious one. Uh, I think you know Zion Williamson pulls down 17 boards last night. Yeah, it's just that kid's a different animal. So, uh, without further ado, let's move on to the next one. So a team Duke does square off with this weekend and who had a hard-fought battle in Cameron Indoor uh, about a week and a half ago, Virginia. Uh, I think Virginia, in my mind, is definitely a a contender, uh, possibly the most well-rounded team in the country, defends at a very high level, and uh, that, you know, defense travels. It really does. It can take take teams out of their game uh, on their home floor. And they can score. They're efficient from the field. I really like that Virginia team. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Uh, definitely contender. I'm sure there's some people out there that are listening that that might, you know, say talk, bring up last year. But you know, that's last year. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's a fluke. Um, this team is, and, and and honestly, I think this team, this Virginia team, is better than last year's team, as far as just all around. Uh, they're definitely a contender in my mind. Yeah, Virginia, uh, I think the loss to UMBC uh, has fueled them ever since. Uh, I think the guys that came back off that team, uh, I think that's just been stewing in their stomach for almost, you know, eight months after that after that happened. And, and that's fueled that team this year. And I think you just get a, you know, a great coach in Tony Bennett and – a, a, a very disciplined unit that just plays quality basketball. And that's, they're kind of the epitome of what college basketball is all about. And I, I love watching Virginia play. Uh, a team that I think is really obviously come on as of late and now is starting to take the SEC by storm. And it could be where they have a uh, crash course with the number one team in the land currently. But uh, the University of Kentucky, uh, John Calipari always seems to put together a unit that starts off a little bit sluggish and slow, but all of a sudden you hit late January, early February, and that team starts to roll heads and they start to click. 
And I'll tell you what, that there might not be a team playing better basketball at a more high level right now. And you can even put Duke into that conversation than the University of Kentucky. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, can we really go against Calipari? I mean, he, he, they're always going to be contenders. Um, again, they might have some uh, some stretches where they struggle. But as far as I'm concerned, if we're talking about John Calipari and Kentucky Wildcats, uh, we're, we're talking about contenders. Yeah, they made a, you know, and, and everybody kind of forgets about it because you had Loyola Chicago last year and Kansas State that made late, made runs, you know, to the Elite Eight in the Final Four. Kentucky was right there as well. You know, they blew that game to Kansas State and kind of a fluke game. It's actually down here in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, that team overachieved last year because they, they started off sluggish. And this year they're really starting to click a little bit, a little bit sooner than, than what it was. Um, than what it was last year. Uh, next team, or two Big Ten teams we have next, Michigan and Michigan State. Obviously, I think they're the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. Uh, there's not much disputing that. Uh, both teams, obviously, are extremely well coached. And I believe, and you know, and Rhino knows this, I think John Beeline's the best basketball coach in the country, and it's mm. not even close. Just, uh, just the pure development of the players, I mean – that's Which the thing, you know. You know, you look at you look at Duke and Kentucky and all these, you know, blue bloods. They're getting high recruiting classes, and Michigan gets some decent recruits. But man, the development of the players—it's unbelievable. And, and people need to need to give Beeline some credit because he he uh, he definitely develops his players. Well, and it's been something he's done since he's been at West Virginia as well. He was he was he was effective at West Virginia, and, and let's be quite honest. Uh, who the hell wants to go play basketball at West Virginia? I mean, what the hell, what the hell's there? So, with Beeline then moving to Michigan, I thought you know he he did an admirable job, and then all of a sudden it's finals, finals, late runs in the tournament, and like you said, the player development is top notch, second to none, and. With that being said, he finds players that fit his system, you know, and, and, and you know what you're going to get with them. And they're going to be disciplined and they're going to be, uh, their, their defense is going to be quality and they're just going to be efficient from the field. I believe they're the Northern, Northern Virginia, in my opinion. I think they're very similar to what Virginia is and what they are. And they have their principles, and they believe in them, and they play just quality quality X's and O's basketball. And then on the flip side, you've got Michigan State, who's in kind of a tailspin right now. Uh, Nick Ward, uh, their, their big boy down low, who's had a lot of success this year, who's come on early on in the year and was uh, pushing to be, you know, possibly the top center in the Big Ten. And, you know, they get, they get beat uh, last weekend – in uh, a tough game on the road, and then all of a sudden lay an egg against Indiana. Uh, excuse me. So they lost Indiana at home, and then they, they laid the egg uh, last night to Illinois on the road. And Nick Ward didn't even start the game. Uh, Izzo decided to change things up and try and, uh, you know, uh, do some things differently. And so, you know, what do you think about Michigan State? Do you have Michigan and Michigan State as contenders or pretenders? Or who, 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 what do you think? Do you think either team can make a late run? It's so hard to tell right now. Honestly, I'm on the fence because, you know, a month and a half ago, two months ago, Michigan State looks like 
a, a legit contender. They're playing better than anybody in the country, and now it's now it's like, oh man. I mean, they they just struggled against Illinois, and it's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I, how I feel about them. I'm gonna have to hold off on that one right now. On both of them, I, I think Michigan too has had some up and downs, but. I think the biggest thing, though, that's interesting is the Big Ten and, and how much parity there is in the league. Um, so it's really hard to tell, you know, if these teams are going to be super legit or not when when March rolls around. Right. You know, it's about catching fire at the right time. And uh, if you can play your best basketball at the right time, you got a shot to, to, to bring home the trophy. Now, with that being said, you have to actually have talent and enough talent to win it. Uh, so a lot of times I have to judge, uh, if, if a team's a contender, if I've seen them play at their, at their best, how good are they? And I think both of those teams have shown with the talent they have and their ability, uh, to showcase games throughout the season so far, I think both of them can make runs. Uh, I do think, though, that the Lankford loss for Michigan State is going to really hamper them down the stretch. I think Cassius Winston is uh, arguably uh, the best player in the Big Ten. I think Carson Edwards is really good from Purdue as well, and I'm sure I'm missing a guy or two. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if, if, if Michigan State, if I had to pick one of the two, I think I'm going to take Michigan. Uh, just for the fact I think they have just a little more collectiveness together and I think they have the best coach in in, in college basketball. So uh, next couple teams are going out west. Uh, We're going to talk about the Nevada Wolfpack who made a a deep run last year and also the Gonzaga Bulldogs who always seem to be around in March. Uh, they They made their name. They're now a household name. I know they're not they're not in uh, one of the Power Five conferences, but I'll tell you what—they're a blue blood when it comes to college basketball. And uh, you know, do you have any thoughts on Nevada or Gonzaga down the stretch? Definitely think Nevada's a contender. Man, I'll tell you what—they've—they've they've got it together. Uh, I've watched a couple of their games. Uh, the Martin Twins—they've um, got a couple other pieces that are that are solid. They play good team basketball. And I've seen them go on runs offensively that are, are just incredible. Um, play good defense as well. So I definitely think they're a contender. Gonzaga is going to be a contender. Uh, there's no, there's no denying that. Um, like you said, they've they've really been established um, over the past couple of years. Uh, so they'll they'll be there as well. Well, the thing is, so we've talked about. Let's see, one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight teams now and haven't mentioned the, the team that's ranked number one in the country, the Tennessee Volunteers, who I think uh, if you have to put talent and uh, quality structure together of an entire unit, uh, that front line of Tennessee is pretty mean. Uh, the bone kid that runs the point and then you got Schofield and uh, uh, now I'm forgetting the guy down low. I uh, can't believe I'm doing this. Um whatever the hell his name is. The player of the year in the uh, SEC. Good note taken here by Jackass. Grant Williams. Um, thank you very much, Grant Williams. Uh, that team, I'll tell you what, that team travels anywhere, can give you give you war. Uh, I've watched them a handful of times this year, and I don't know how strong the SEC is outside of Kentucky 
Tennessee. Uh, I think LSU's okay, and I think Auburn's a team that you have to really kind of watch out for. I think their their peak is pretty scary, but they're also their 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 low is pretty damn low as well. Um, but obviously, we know Tennessee's a contender. Another team that has come on as of late in the ACC is North Carolina. That team is really starting to roll. And uh, you take a stroll down Tobacco Road, I sure as hell wouldn't want to see the Tar Heels walking into my building uh, and uh, coming to play play anybody. So I think with uh, Tennessee and North Carolina, you have two more contenders. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and give, give ourselves a little hot take. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. Uh, Tennessee does not make it to the Sweet 16. So they're going to get bounced either, I'm going to say, in the second round of the tournament. That's my little hot take of the day. I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, I do think Tennessee makes it to the second weekend. Uh, I just think they're too talented. I just don't see a... Obviously, it matters where they get matched up and what what region they're in. I just don't see them, and I'm sure they're going to be in the South Regional. I just don't see them getting bounced early from a team that's a 7 or a 10 seed. But I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. Uh, but I do like I do like you going out on the limb there and uh, taking your putting your two cents out there. Uh, last two teams we have before we get to a few dark horses, and then we're going to get to uh, our last segment of the night. Uh, I'll tell you what, nobody is really talking about uh, the Houston Cougars. And uh, the team just keeps kind of muddling along along through the through their conference. And, you know, I, I know they don't play a lot of teams that are worth a damn. I get it. Uh, but they're an older team. Uh, experience. They got Kelvin Sampson, the ex-Oklahoma Sooner coach. Uh, do they have a shot to make the Final Four? Ah, uh, oh, that's 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 steep. I think I, I watched them the other night, and you know they've got a solid team. And again, they they could be that 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 team that makes that that run that that nobody was looking at from the beginning of the year. Um, but I, I I just think right now saying that they could do that it, it might be a little bit of a stretch. But again, you know it's a tournament. Um, a lot of things can happen, and, and I think they have a good enough team to where they could make a run, but I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they make it to the Final Four. And last team I want to talk about is the team that is defending that trophy, uh, old Jay Wright and the Villanova Wildcats. Uh, they always seem to churn out victories on the Big East, and kudos to him and what he does with that program. Pretty, pretty remarkable being in Philadelphia and just just getting guys that buy into his system, uh, which is kind of the common theme that we've, we've talked about. These teams that have a system in place and, and outside of Duke, who obviously has just utter talent spewing out of their locker room. Um, it's it's a it's just a, a quality program in Villanova. Brings a few guys back off that championship team. I know they lost a handful of guys as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, do you think they have a chance to, uh, to make another run this year? Yes, without a doubt. I mean, it's Villanova, uh, definitely going to be a contender. Um, I, I just think there's, you know, yeah, they lost a, a, a good bit of talent, but, you know, they reload. Jay Wright develops them. Um, I'm, I'm not 
too worried about them. I'm sure we'll be seeing them late in, late in March. All right, let's get to a few dark horses. I, I, have, a, I have a few teams down that I think uh, that I think can, can ruffle some feathers in the tournament this year that can give some teams some fits. And it could be a team that, you know, that knocks out uh, Tennessee, as you said earlier. Uh, and also, too, you know, all, all the listeners out there, if you guys have any teams that you believe can make a deep run outside the ones we mentioned, we'd love to hear about them. Uh, you know, I think, as I said, there's a lot of parity in college basketball this year outside of the talent at Duke. And and uh, it's I think it's just a very intriguing college basketball season going into March. So a couple dark horses. And I guess this is more along the lines of teams that have really caught fire as of late. But have shown some promise. A uh, team like Baylor uh, out of the Big 12 uh, has won by 30 and 26 the last two conference games. And uh, one was on the road at Oklahoma. And I believe they hosted TCU and beat the brakes off them as well. They play again tonight against Texas. They're a three-point dog tonight. I think the line's actually been maybe three and a half. Um, and they're on the road. Uh, your thoughts on Baylor? Uh too early. I, too I think early we can. I think I, th- I don't think we can. Uh, we can look at the last two games and kind of make a, a serious judgment on what they're going to do. But I do think they, they they could definitely make a run. I mean, again, it does show some 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 potential. Um, those those two victories were obviously monumental. Um, but I think again, we're just still too too far to uh, to tell. Get to a couple more teams, uh, a couple more dark horses, and I'll tell you, I'm going to give you uh, two of my favorites uh, to really make some noise in the tournament. Um, I think my favorite team to make a lot of noise is Auburn. Uh, I know, I know, one of my buddies will be really excited about hearing that, but I think Auburn's, I think Auburn's ceiling is about as high as just about anybody. Uh, they've, they've got to get on the same page. I think Bruce Perez sometimes has problems getting that team fully buttoned up. But, man, when they link up and they go, and if they can catch fire offensively and they can hit the three ball, that team is absolutely a nightmare to deal with. And uh, I think Auburn, if as long as they can find their way and snake into the tournament, get a decent draw, they're going to be a handful for a lot of teams in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. I, 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 I could totally see that and I could get on board with that. Uh, one of the ones that we, we probably both agree on is uh, Purdue. Uh, Purdue is coming to form. They've won seven in a row, um, including avenging a loss to Michigan State on the road. And a couple of those a couple of their big wins have been Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio State, and Iowa. Um, and again, in a, uh, a big 10 with a lot of parity, you know winning seven in a row is, is is a big accomplishment and Matt Painter has those guys playing well and they just keep winning and and so I think they could also make it make a run in the, in the tournament I agree uh, and they have a guy that he, you can give the ball to and tell him to go get points and he'll go get them for you I think Carson Edwards is that guy and uh, not every team in the country can can say that they don't have you know everybody has a guy like Carson Edwards that can take the ball and get you 30 uh, tremendous athlete tremendous player uh, they play within themselves. Uh, they can put points up in bunches. Uh, like the Klein kid that can really roll the roll the three off, and they do have a few guys down low that can bang. 
I like Purdue. I, I do. And, and obviously, as you said, on another another team that's really well coached. Uh, Painter does a great job uh, getting that team uh, to buy into that system of his. Uh, and the uh, the other team that I really want to talk about, and this is the last dark horse we're going to talk about tonight, is Florida State. Uh, I think they were ridden off really early. You know, they were they came in as a top 10 team against Duke, hosted Duke down there. And I'll tell you what, gave Duke everything they ha- everything they wanted and more. Should have won the game, lost on a last second shot, and you know everybody kind of wrote them off. You know they had a, a quick turnaround, lost to BC on a Monday after a Saturday loss uh, to Duke, and had to travel up to oh, excuse me Pittsburgh. Had to travel to Pittsburgh and then lost to Boston College that next week, and all of a sudden lost three in a row and looked like they were just reeling. And fell out of the top 25. Nobody really talked about them. Well, now they've won four in a row. Uh, average of 12 points, uh, uh, a 12-point victory the last four games. Two road games. Beat Syracuse in the Carrier Dome last night. And I'll tell you what, that team's as talented as anybody in the ACC outside Duke. I really believe that. And if, if they get going, they made a run last year as well. They're good in the tournament. And uh, what do you think? I, I can I can get on board with that. Um, all the points there are valid, so I, I, sign me up. I'm 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 in on Florida State being a dark horse. I mean, Leonard Hamilton has has been a guy that can always go into hostile environments and has his team play well. I know last year they got cut out. Uh, I believe in the second. I believe in the, it was the second game of the first weekend. I believe they made it to the uh, the round of third uh, round of thirty four, but. Uh, I just think that team is is, is just super, is just too talented to take lightly, and they're starting to really uh, really really find their way. So we're gonna get to our last segment, uh, last segment of the night. Uh, it's called "You Lock It Up." Uh, from I didn't own that from Wedding Crashers, one of my favorite comedies of all time. I think that's <laughs> that that whole entire movie is quotable. Uh, so "You Lock It Up" is our last segment of the night. Uh, so it'll be some of our picks for today and tonight. I know this podcast is a little bit later, but I just kind of share with you what we like tonight. And, um, you know, you might be on board, you might not, but we're just going to give you our gut feeling on some games. So, Ryan, go ahead if you want to start us off. All right, I'll, I'll rattle a couple off here. Um, I'm going to go out and say that we're going to go Maryland money line. Um, they're playing Nebraska tonight in Nebraska. Um, they're underdogs, so I'm going to take the positive money there, um, and that will that that will probably uh, hopefully cash. Um, going to the NBA real quick, the one that I have tonight is Houston minus three against Sacramento. I think James Harden continues his his hot run that he's been having um, in the the wonderful year he's been having. Um, and then one that, you know, I'm just going to throw out there as well. Phoenix, Utah, under 220. You lock it up. Wow. I'm going to lock it up. I'm going to lock it up. I, 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 I do like that under uh, in the Phoenix game. You know, I kind of stay away from the NBA. It has not treated me well. And I don't plan it to treat me well. So I stay the hell away from it. Uh, I'm going to give you a few college games. I've. I've dabbled a little bit in college this year and have been moderately successful, so I'll give you a few that I like tonight. I do like the Wolfpack tonight in Nevada. They're laying 13.5 on the road 
uh, in Colorado Springs at Colorado State. I think Colorado State is awful. I think they're worthless. Uh, they lost by 40 uh, last game, last time they played Nevada uh, out there in Nevada, but I don't think it really matters. I'll take, I'll eat the 13 and a half and go with Nevada. I'll also take Wisconsin on the road tonight against a Minnesota team who does play well at home. They call that damn place the barn. Uh, but I think Wisconsin's going to avenge that loss they, they took to the Gophers on their home turf. And they're going to go in there to uh, into the barn and beat beat the Golden Gophers. I'll take Wisconsin in the points, minus two and a half. I like the Baylor Bears tonight, a team that I mentioned is possibly a dark horse. Maybe it's a little too soon to tell. I could be a little bit quick with the trigger there. But I like Baylor tonight, plus two and a half. They're getting two and a half points on the road. I got them at two and a half. Probably should have waited. I believe the line's moved almost three and a half or four. Uh, but I still like Baylor, and I think they went outright tonight, to be honest with you, and beat Texas and uh, beat Shaka Smart uh, down there in Austin. And the last game of the night, uh, the Villanova Wildcats just keep on rolling. They're a nine-point favorite tonight against Creighton. They host Creighton, and uh, I just Creighton's struggled against Villanova notoriously in the past. I just don't see Creighton doing much damage to Villanova, and I see Villanova covering that nine points. The last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here tonight, and uh, failed to mention it earlier, uh, I don't know if anybody saw it, but the NC State Wolfpack shot the lights out on Saturday, shooting a whopping 16% from the field and 7% from beyond the arc with a cool 24 points against Virginia Tech in a full entire 40 minutes of action. Ryan, have you ever in your life seen something so pathetic in NCAA college basketball. Dewey, I don't think I've ever seen something so pathetic in my life in any uh, facet of life. Uh, forget about just college basketball. Forget about sports. I mean, pathetic. 24 points? Come on, NC State. What is that? I think, Dewey, I think we could go out there and score 24 points, the two of us. Yeah, I, I, I really don't have much to say about this. I know somebody wanted me to mention on the podcast. You know, it's almost too too sad and embarrassing to mention. I mean, I can go to a local YMCA gym and watch a team of uh, beer-bellied folks put up uh, 24 points in, you know, in 10 minutes of play. I mean, we just witnessed possibly the worst offensive performance in the history of basketball. I mean, I think whoever the hell invented basketball was it Naismith? I think that son of a bitch rolled over in his grave after that game. <laughs> oh, I mean, that was absolutely horrendous. Unbelievable. And then, last night, they come out and score 96. Wow. Just it's incredible. Just, it is. And and that's what, that's what you get with college athletes and college basketball. You don't know what you're going to yeah. get night in and night out. And so... With that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up for the night. Thanks for all of our do, listeners. Dewey, 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 Dewey. I've got one more thing. Oh, though. one more, one more, one more interesting didn't to, thing. Didn't mean to jump the gun. No, 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 no. Just real quick, uh, for anybody out there, go YouTube Ho Sung Choi, and then watch him as he makes his PGA Tour debut this week. Absolutely incredible. Again, YouTube Ho Sung Choi. You'll laugh, and he is playing in the tour event this weekend. 
should be interesting uh, to see what he does. I have seen, seen that guy swim the club a few times, and it is a sight to see. Uh, it is a circus act with a golf swing, and uh, you guys will not be disappointed. Uh, also, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Aduhame4, uh, and uh, we will be back with you. We're going to actually go with a podcast, hopefully on Mondays and Fridays, uh, going forward. So tune in for us on Monday. Look for our next podcast on Monday night, and then again uh on friday i guess i have the week backwards so it would probably be friday this week and then monday the following week so we will be back with you thank you again for listening and uh have a good night